Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hi, Extra Life listeners. You may notice that at the beginning of this episode, we all sound slightly insane, but there is quite a good explanation for that. It's basically that we're completely useless at sort of audio quality, which is why we need people in studios normally to do things properly. But we had to do these at home. Yeah, so, yes. Yeah. So we had, shall we say, a series of uh, unfortunate technical blunders yeah. that meant that by the 88th time we started recording the podcast, we were all a bit giddy. Bit giddy, yes. But you know what? It still turned out all right. I think it's, it's still one of our favourite episodes, isn't it, Keza? Yeah, yeah, give it a listen. See what you think. Extra life. I'm Keza McDonald. And I'm Ellie Gibson. Welcome back to Extra Life, a video game podcast featuring us. <laughs> Don't say featuring like that's an exciting word or, or news to anyone who subscribed to the podcast. That's that's <laughs> obvious, isn't it? Oh, that's Should that really know us by intro. now. Yeah. We do Go have then. someone else here though, don't we? We have tried to record this podcast, what, 16 times already? We do have someone else here. Yes, you do. Who's that? But um, now I feel like I'm going to adopt some new... Just to keep it exciting, because uh, we've now done these introductions of more more times than there were disciples at the last summer. So, uh, hello there. I'm a uh, heavyweight boxing legend, Lennox Lewis. Hi, Lennox. Good, good to have uh, you with it's us. It's lovely to be here. I'm very, very strong. <laughs> wasn't where you had time for video uh, games it's a very busy life surely well you'd think but in between all the skipping and um, punching uh, I like to get out a, a, a joypad if Absolutely. you couldn't tell from his voice and frankly if you can't tell from his voice then shame on you this is Mr Rufus Hound joining us today we've had some technical oh. problems um, so far but but we're deciding that this is this is the one this time nothing's going to go wrong and nobody's remote recording setup is going to go horribly I mean really this is indicative of how lockdown is really just smooth frictionless not at all stressful or anxiety inducing for anyone if anything better than actual real life. <laughs> There's been a lot of talk about when things go back to normal, but I mean, come on, guys, aren't we going to miss this? Oh. If, if this had been a regular podcast record, we'd have all gone to a studio, we'd have had our silly little video game chats, and we'd have left 
And would we ever have really known each other? But now we've 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 been it's like trench warfare. We've seen each other at our lowest and our worst and our most desperate and despair. Well, we know and I feel that I've truly got to know the both. We of definitely you. know that well, you ha- and Keza don't know how bloody batteries work. We've established that fact about each other. <laughs> oh, I just I can't cope. You're right. This just feels like another thing that's gone wrong in twenty twenty. It just feels normal now, things to go wrong all the time. Have you have you got a video game, Rufus, ah. that's been getting you through the, the dark times? Um what's been quite funny is my son who's 13 and therefore largely spent the last few years playing Fortnite um, now talks to his friends about like oh let's go old school and there's been a massive resurgence in them all playing Minecraft yeah oh, I, I heard about them. this I was in Primark the other day yeah. and there were some sort of 14 year old girls wandering around and uh, I overheard them going god it's weird how like Minecraft's back isn't it and I was like what do you mean where did it go I don't remember it going anywhere also you weren't <laughs> even born when it came out you weren't there the yeah. first time around what are you talking about why is it you know about these things why are the young people into the minecraft again it's really nostalgic for them my, my stepson who's 14 is, is the same like he's played nothing but minecraft for the last few weeks they've all just i think they're all retreating to a safe space ellie if i'm totally honest mm. <laughs> then they're like remember when well, times were good and we were we didn't have to worry about wearing masks in our lessons well that's minecraft there's, there's undoubtedly that to it also um there's been an update a big update to the game and a lot of the uh, youtube streamers um i think got roped into playing it again. Hey guys, Dan here. I have a confession. I don't think I've ever completed Minecraft legit before. (laughs) It's kind of embarrassing, actually. So today I had a little thought. I I really want to delve into Minecraft 1.14, which I haven't done yet, which is the most updated version of Minecraft. The thing that I found really interesting, almost all parenting lessons I've learned is the less parenting I do, the better it is. <laughs> when my son was small and wanted to play Minecraft, I spent all of my time telling him that he had to play in survival mode because otherwise it wasn't a game. Like, ugh, if, if you've got access to literally everything, there's no point to doing any of this. You may as well just draw a picture of where, why are you doing that? <laughs> regardless of how much he was actually enjoying yeah, it. Yeah, it's always but best to stifle those... children's creativity wherever possible. That's the rule in our house, absolutely. Thank <laughs> yes. you, Ellie. Somebody who Some gets common it. sense at last. Um, that's it. Back to good old-fashioned British values. It just bothered me that there was no game mechanic if you played it um, in creative mode. Completely missing what, of course, what kids are actually getting from that, which is essentially electric Lego. Um, but I, I, I've just felt like, well, then play Lego, rather than electric lego however kids now now that this like new version of it's come back they are the kids who all played in creative mode who are watching the streamers that they really like play in survival mode and they're like oh my god if you play it in survival mode it's like a whole new thing <laughs> and i think it was just it, it took a little while for them to having played Fortnite and various things with you know get a level do a thing to be able to then basically inflict that back on Minecraft also they were all playing on consoles now a lot of them are playing on PCs so the different modes and and you can kind of make Minecraft be whatever you want it to be so there's just like endless opportunity in Minecraft I think they enjoy that sense that it's their world I'm with you Rufus playing in survival mode builds moral character I remember (laughs) when I introduced Minecraft to my stepson when he was about I don't know six and I just got sick to death of watching him 
couldn't play crappy licensed Spider-Man games over and over and over again forever. So I was like, there's this new game, Minecraft. Let's play this. And for the first few weeks, it was idyllic. We mm. kind of adventured through mines and we built ourselves a little house and so on. He was so into it. And it was great. And I knew more than him about it, which is obviously the whole point. But then a few weeks later, they updated the Xbox version to have creative mode. And lo and behold, next weekend, he's like, hey, look. And he just showed me he had a chest completely full of diamonds. And I'm like, <gasps> yeah. you cheated. And we it's never really nonsense. managed to play again after that because he didn't see the point in working for it after he realised he could go into creative mode and just have everything. Well, so you don't, start, you don't start a game of Monopoly and go, right, everyone just help yourselves to the money in the houses. That's fine. You know, just just roll whatever dice. Oh, go to prison. Doesn't matter. Just walk out of jail. That's It's, <laughs> it's rubbish. Games need yeah. rules. rules. I agree. Rules are what make things fun, Ellie. Do we sound like That's fascists? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, think we sound, I think we might we um, sound like fascists. Um, I'd just like to make it clear that we're, we're very much not fascists. Well, it's nice that you have to say that. We're not even 10 minutes in and you've had to say that very well, look, clearly. It's 2020, The politics is weird now. I think we have to just be straight up about the fact that we're not fascists. Apparently, you're just allowed to be fascist now if you want to be. So there Yeah, we there's a lot of it about. But speaking um, of fascism, Rufus... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> I, know, I hear you've got some quite strong opinions. This, uh, is, this is a bad link. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> about... Speaking of roll, please. Spin the wheel. Let's just look at a few of the categories on there. We've got immigrants. We've got... <laughs> Women. People who aren't white. Yeah. Homosexuals. The trans community. But, Where's it going to land? There's one you've missed <laughs> out. There's one you've missed <laughs> out, Rufus. <laughs> it's FIFA <laughs> players. <laughs> Scum of the earth. Um, <laughs> oh, God. What look, have you got uh, against FIFA players? When you're growing up, obviously, there is that sense of, of which you have you find your clan and you build your personality around the clan you're If you're a fascist, you're yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, you know, you, you're either a sporty kid or you're like a maths kid or a drama kid. The loose sense of tribe that in your teenage years becomes very important to you and even though I wouldn't say I was a hardcore gamer by any stretch most of my mates really were I, I kind of have that feeling that being a gamer in inverted commas means something and is something and matters on some level whereas I sort of feel like FIFA is a game for kids who like football who went, oh, there's a video game of this. And that isn't the same as being a gamer. If, if all you do is play FIFA, really, you're a football kid. You're not a gamer. Yeah, it just sort of irks me when those guys lay claim to kind of geek culture when really what they are are the same basic bitches that like football. <laughs> These are these are the, exactly the sort of stiff opinions I was told this podcast was looking for. Uh, I, you know, I'm prepared to die on this hill, but only because it's more entertaining. I've been retreating again <laughs> into Animal Crossing, which I played for all of March and April, just while trying to get through each day. And it's just so soothing. Like, objectively, it's quite boring. You go around an island, you chat to your neighbours, you plant flowers and you buy little hats really that's, that's not that's objectively boring that's literally boring it is quite that's boring but for some for some boring. reason it's just like so soothing that you know exactly what's going to happen and nothing there's rules again the rules the rules make it fun there's nothing surprising is going to happen it's all good you're in control i just find it very soothing when i can't play anything that's too like the aryan games podcast but like <laughs> people who can only <laughs> access right, only certain people are allowed to play certain games right and now everything uh, has to have rules and now we like things that are all you know what's not fascist? Watchdogs Legion, Ellie. Oh, well, by implication of saying Animal Crossing is, but all right, let's carry on. <laughs> um, 
it's, it's another game I've been enjoying the last couple of weeks where you have to liberate a futuristic London from the clutches of a weak government and a kind of militia. Um, it makes fighting fascism super easy because all you really have to do is post up some graffiti with the word resist in it and uh, punch a bunch of police military guys in the face. But instead of shooting everyone, you just hack stuff with your phone. Ah, London. Had a good run there for a while. Now it's all riots, bombings, and people thrown in cages like animals. Oh, and who could forget the killer robots everywhere? But it's cool because it's it's one of those games where you kind of go around liberating various parts of a city, but instead of shooting everyone, you just hack stuff with your phone. So you hijack jo- drones and steal information and you can send self-driving cars careening down the road and stuff. So it's just a bit more interesting than just shooting stuff all the time. And it's also got a really pleasing, pleasing little anti-fascist message that I've found quite refreshing in recent times. Yeah, but... I, I had four hours sleep last night and I'm easily given to um, seeing conspiracy where there is, in fact, nothing. It's an instinct I am trying to quash. However, the conspiracy theory that immediately springs into my head is that uh, big corporations and big publishers, therefore people with the money, therefore people who have an interest in maintaining the status quo, release a video game to impressionable teenagers that says... If you want to fight fascism, just keep staring at your phone. Don't come at me so- with your Ludo narrative dissonance, Rufus Hound. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So that's getting you through, Kezer. Have you had a lockdown game of choice, Rufus? What's been getting you through this year? Um, to be really honest, I've actually played a lot fewer video games in recent times than I have just been obsessing about Dungeons and Dragons. My gaming, sort of think of it as a reserve somewhere within me, <laughs> like, you know, how much I love games. That need, I guess, can be fulfilled by board games. It can be filled by quiz games. It can be filled, it turns out, by um, role-playing games pen and paper tabletop role-playing games. Your dungeon master has placed you in a dreadfully precarious position. You're playing the most phenomenal game ever created. Your skin grows cold from your first glimpse of the enormous beast. It's a product of your imagination. Survival depends on a quick, decisive move. Your choices are limited. Stand and fight or run. Use your lightning bolt. Victory is yours. Win the treasure. TSR Hobbies. Dungeons and Dragons games. Products of your imagination. So, Rufus, Dungeons and Dragons is too nerdy, even for me. Can you explain what what you've gotten out of it in these times? I'm sorry that you've asked that question because I know what's about to happen. <laughs> oh God. Uh, <laughs> It's an incredibly tricky thing, I think, to explain. I mean, people who love Dungeons & Dragons want to tell you, oh, it's very straightforward. But as somebody who's been playing it now for the last nine months, religiously every week, um, it is just not straightforward. And I, I, you know, I think that's a very unfair. So it's a collaborative storytelling exercise where one person who's called the Dungeon Master is going to write a story. And the characters in that story are played by other people. So even though the person writing the story has an idea of what's going to happen in that story, he's not in charge of the characters. However, there is no sense in the characters in that story trying to do over the main writer of the story. So it is kind of collaborative. Even though you might want to do one thing and the pers- and the dungeon master wants to do something else, actually those games work best when that is a dialogue. In, in our game... 
Uh, I was playing uh, a semi-functional alcoholic dwarf, like war dwarf, who'd been thrown out of his um, family and therefore is kind of a broken husk of a man. And I didn't know the other players in this game. Our dungeon master is a man called Paul Foxcroft, and he's been running these live events where comedians play Dungeons & Dragons for kind of comedic ends rather than hardcore, like, we have to ace this game and we're going to emerge the heroes and all that. It was much more about, like, how funny can we make it? But because we've been on the same campaign as a gang of four, like I say, for the last nine months, um, it has just changed over time. And whether we wanted it to or not, it just has become something that really matters. We are a family. And you saying about, um, you know, Animal Crossing, there are rules and there are structure. Now, all of that is down to the brilliance of Paul Foxcroft and him wanting to make it as entertaining as possible. But genuinely, throughout all of it, that escapism from lockdown, from reality, whilst at the same time there is somebody in charge of all that, a god-like figure, if you will, a a benevolent interventionist god. The fact there is rules and structure, but there's also family. There's been enormous character development and growth within all of that. And with my hand on my heart, it basically has been like therapy. (laughs) Without me realising it, the character that I started playing, who was broken and drinking too much and uncaring, was my character's called The Rough Knight. Uh, which is a joke, right? The Rough Knight, because he drinks too much. Ha ha ha, The Rough Knight. Over time, he just got called Rough. And again, this is all, as far as I'm aware, totally by accident. So this character has um, elaborate facial hair and is called Rough, R-U-F-F, and is being played by somebody who is uh, 41, has recently made the decision very amicably with his wife to no longer be married, is uh, incredibly conflicted about how much time he's spent away from his young family because of the nature of his job, and uh, on some level has sort of given up on life and is now playing Dungeons & Dragons as a character that felt exactly the same way. And I swear to God, without my knowing, (laughs) over the nine months... It just became incredibly apparent to me that I was processing so much of what I felt and my own brokenness through playing Dungeons and Dragons as this other guy. And this was all brought to a head when my character got this magical tattoo that he had to pay for with his guilt and shame. And when I got this tattoo as the character, the dungeon master said to me, and you know what this tattoo is. So this tattoo is a wash with regret. And how does my character relate this to the other characters? Well, it's poems, it's odes, it's songs. So I set about writing an ode. And so it's my character. (laughs) My character understands himself in a song written by somebody who has yet not had the penny drop that he is also processing his own feelings about himself through this character. And I wrote a song about how, uh, basically, uh, none of us asked to be born and uh, none of us set out to be who we are. We are all here by accident. (laughs) And yet the mark of you is how firmly you pick yourself up and carry on, even when you don't feel like you're worth a great deal. And... (laughs) just went, oh, fuck. (laughs) And so I went to the doctor. I got prescribed antidepressants. I didn't start taking them because the doctor said, actually, what you need is uh, therapy, really, more than you need antidepressants. And it was that week that I started therapy. So even though 
I was aware that I wasn't exactly doing very well. It was the process of being a make-believe character in a make-believe world, playing this silly, funny, stupid game. That got me to a place where I could finally accept that I needed to do something about my own sense of wretchedness. (laughs) And that is why I apologised for answering a question about Dungeons & Dragons. Because all you wanted to know is, you rolled some dice and pretend to be a dwarf, and instead, I told you, it pulled me out of an existential crisis. I mean, no, you're, you're, you're wrong there, Rufus. That was exactly the kind of explanation for why people play things like Dungeons & Dragons that I think I needed to hear and that a lot of people need to hear. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. You sold me, honestly, because I've I I'm I'm friends with Paul Foxcroft. I have seen his show, and it's brilliant because Paul's brilliant, right? And he's really funny. But I've always been a bit like Dungeons yeah. and Dragons. Oh, I just it feels a bit like an orgy for nerds, you know. I found it all a bit threatening. But basically, you're saying it's it's life saving. It can be. I mean, I'm not saying it needs to kind of be therapized in that way. And I think maybe if you're more emotionally stable than I am, then you can just play it and have a lovely time and be a big orc and, you know, smash things or cast spells and not really think that it's um, your subconscious desperately screaming at you to find help. Mm. Um, But it can also be that. And uh, the more engaged I've become over the last few months with uh, the community of people who play Dungeons & Dragons, it's become pretty clear that actually (laughs) for a huge number of people, it it often does become exactly that. Therapists often say to somebody who wants help, imagine somebody else had told you what you've just told me, what advice would you give them? And it provides a kind of cognitive distance where you stop seeing it from the inside out and start seeing from the outside in. And through, you know, hours and hours and hours and hours of role play, taking a kind of outside in view of what really matters to you or what moral choices you make or how you feel when you're put in uh, any one kind of tricky situation, you know, how compassionate you can be or how hard you can be. Um, Yeah, it just... (laughs) It's... It's like the most fun therapy in the world, ultimately. (laughs) It's a a journey of self-discovery through the creation of somebody else. And I don't know why that would work, but it, 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 it has in my case and seems to in the case of plenty of other folks. I think this is one of the things that humans get out of play. Like we've evolved to play. Play is how we process 
what happens to us a lot of the time. I think you know games, role playing games, and computer games, all kinds of play. They do tap into that. They give you, they give us ways to conceptualize things that are happening to us and to experiment with other options and to think about what we're doing and why in in a quite safe environment, in a kind of fun environment. I know a lot of people who've gotten through some some bad stuff through either role playing games or video games because they allow you a space to think about what your choices are and what you're doing and why. But in a kind of consequence free environment. So I find like for me, video, the, the relationship I've had with video games, like what they do for me has kind of changed throughout my life. Like when I was a teenager, they were more of an escape. And then as I got older, they became slightly less kind of forefronted in my entertainment. And then now that I'm a parent, I've really found myself rediscovering them again, like with my kids and through my kids and so on. Have you found that your like what you get out of games, what you need from games has, has changed over the course of your life? I think what games now offer is different from what they offered when I was a kid. I think I always found that video games were an escape. They were very rather a solitary pursuit. Actually, is that true? I mean, you know, there's always been two-player Mario and two-player Mario Kart, and I suppose most of the games I had growing up had some kind of two-player option. More often than not, though, that two-player option just meant, well, you have a go, and when you die, now they get a go. <laughs> yeah, the classic pass the pad. Kind of, so I, I guess as somebody who quite likes solitary pursuits i disappeared into video games whereas now there's so much onus on them being social and online and connected that it, it isn't quite the same thing anymore although philosophically is that illusory you know is it actually that we're just as alone as we were with the illusion of being connected to others i mean i play rocket league for hours and hours and hours at end with i mean i normally play two on two so there are three strangers that I'm playing with most of the time. Does that really mean I'm connected to them? Or does that mean that really they are just a sort of meat AI? Nah, man, I totally think you connect to people from, from games. I just, I mean, you, know, you, you can go on adventures together. Like if you play Destiny with your friends, then you have actually gone and shot a lot of space pirates and saved the universe. Like you have in one reality done that together. That's a real experience. Yeah, no, completely. I mean, specifically in terms of the games I play, I'm not on headsets. I'm not making long-term plans with people. It's as solid and experience really as sitting playing Mario when I was you know 10 I, I suppose what I get out of them now is there is a degree to which video games have always been seen as something other but I quite like it when video games are viewed as the same as music or the same as films you know Nobody says, well, do you like film? Are you a filmer? <laughs> Are you a watcher? <laughs> That's it, yeah. Uh, you know, it's like, well, I like some of uh, I like some films that are a bit like this and some films that are a bit like that. So I suppose, yeah, I, I run to Rocket League as like a go-to, relatively quick switch on, bang around a bit, switch off, and then don't have to think a great deal about it. Whereas obviously something like The Last of Us, um, which is always the game that jumps immediately to mind when I think of something with a capital Q quality video game. You know, how moving it was and best you became in the characters. The fact that when I turned it off, I would be walking around for hours afterwards wondering if I'd made you know the right choices and whether those people were going to be okay and what I needed to do next. It, it gets under your skin. When I played The Last yeah. of Us Part <laughs> 2, I spent a lot of time meditating on like the meaning of violence and the ideas of revenge. And then my, my stepson played it and was mostly interested in the fact that you could shoot the individual fingers off the zombies. Gotcha. I like this thing. So, you know, the games contain multitudes. <laughs> Can we get into Rocket League? Because that's one of those games that... Uh, 
is really more than the sum of its parts. It's basically football with cards. As a man who clearly has strong, strong feelings about people who play football games, it seems perhaps un- unexpected that you'd be so into football with cards. What What is it about Rocket yeah, League? Why, why is that acceptable you? as a game, Rufus? <laughs> Uh, well, A, because it doesn't exist in the real world. So, uh, <laughs> interesting criteria. Just... Okay. Well, listen, I'm sticking with it. <laughs> you guys, you guys gave me a cross and told me to walk up a hill. And now just... you're going, oh, why are you walking up that hill with that cross? <laughs> what if we're going down that I will so, fucking carry so now this suddenly, thing. I will nail myself but, to it. But you're broadening it out. So now we're not just excluding FIFA and FIFA players. We're excluding like all tennis games, uh, boxing, all sports games, basically. No, Formula not all one. tennis games. Right. No, not all tennis games. So what, what? Uh, Mario Tennis, perfectly acceptable. Because <laughs> that's such all a right, hardcore so game. Okay. So Tiger Woods PGA Golf Tour 2019, whatever, not acceptable. Unacceptable. All right, fine. To- Tony, Hawk's, Tony Hawk's hey. and his magic skateboard, or whatever it's called. I think in the Tony Hawk game, there are various power-ups you can pull where you can like suddenly do something really whizzy that you couldn't do in the real world. Therefore, a video game, therefore acceptable. <laughs> Whereas... <laughs> Um, you know, Johnny Come Lately's skateboarding sim, <laughs> unacceptable. Really weirdly, in um, Mario Golf, they have all the Mario characters, and then there's just these two guys called like Harry and Clive, who are just normal adult human men, just in amongst freaking Birdo <laughs> and Metal Man. I'm like, what are they doing there? They never appear anywhere else. It's bizarre. They're like infiltrators. It's time to get them into Smash Bros. Right? right. They just <laughs> they Harry just turn up with golf clubs and just sit about. That you. would be We're... an incredible, like, um, really niche reference. Like Harry from Mario Golf on the N64 is the new Smash Bros. character. Having never been into golf games, I've really recently got slightly into actual golf because in lockdown we're in lockdown two at the time recording right and um, did you know that because obviously people can't go on the golf courses anymore to play actual golf but you can just go and walk around the golf courses because who's going to stop you so we've been going up to one in kent yeah. and uh it's brilliant we just take the kids we take a putter because my husband has got into golf because obviously he's over 40 he's got to find something to do and uh yeah we take <laughs> yeah. A and it was brilliant but except the other day this bloke came by walking his dog going oh, i pay a thousand pounds a year <laughs> to be on this golf course you're messing with the divots or whatever it was who's the idiot can i make a recommendation for your husband please Ellie? do take up Disc golf. What's that? Disc golf. Frisbee frisbee it's, golf. It's really, really fun. Rufus, have you ever considered just playing a sport, either in real life or in a video game, that is just the actual sport? Why do you have to subvert <laughs> everything? There either has to be a mouse in it or it has to be with a frisbee instead of the ball that the sport was invented around. Um, Because have you seen the people that like those things? <laughs> I mean, you literally just said... A man with a ruddy face and a dog went, oh, I pay a thousand pound. And what you're saying is, why wouldn't you want to hang out with that dude? Oh, no. Well, no I never said ruddy face. You've added way, your Ellie prejudice. You've added the ruddy face. I never said he was ru- ruddy face. For all you know, he was very, very pale Victorian ghost child of a man. You don't know. That's a, that's a <laughs> unconscious bias, Rufus. You've exposed yourself there. It is, it is at this point that we let the, uh, we let the silence <laughs> hang. And then very quietly ask Ellie, yeah, but... But was he ruddy-faced, Ellie? <laughs> oh, uh, he, he was rosy-cheeked. I wouldn't go as far as ruddy. <laughs> <laughs> I have one more weird golf game story. My first ever... Lovely. The first ever free-to-play game that I played. And this was when people didn't know about free-to-play. It was. It seemed, like, too good to be true. And then, obviously, now we all know it's terrible and exploitative and etc. But now, it's, <laughs> now is a different time. This was, like... It was just when I'd started university and there was this game called Pangya, 
which was Korean golf game. And it was, you know, your standard everybody's golf kind of thing, except for you could pay to have different characters and different caddies. And the caddies were all things like a polar bear with a hat or... Oh, this sounds uh, ideal plus- for Rufus. This sounds like Rufus's absolute dream. Right. So if and you like- tell him now, that also there weren't clubs, there were bananas and there weren't any balls yep. in it. I am literally downloading this as you <laughs> wang on it. There was like <laughs> one, one, of the, one of the characters is just a paper bag with a cat face on it. And uh, for, I, I, got, I got so like horribly drawn into it. I ended up spending, like I had, I had my first like student loan. I ended up spending 300 pounds of my first student loan on various like hats and co- collectibles and weird golf clubs and, and caddies in the shape of cats f- from this bizarre Korean <laughs> free to play game. And like now when everyone's like going on about loot boxes and stuff, I'm like, I'm with you. I'm with, I was that 19 year old who got horribly, horribly drawn in. But what it took for me was an odd Korean golf game. You're talking to a man who's probably spent about the same on various hats and aerial extensions on Rocket League <laughs> and has done that as an entirely cognizant 40 something year old. So yeah, I'm with you. Why wouldn't uh. you? If there was a caddy that was a paper bag with a cat's face drawn on it, I'd be thinking, well, there was only one thing I was put on this earth to own. <laughs> Uh, what was it that got you into games in the first place, Rufus? Did you have consoles growing up? Yeah, my dad was always one for a gadget. So we had the Atari, you know, with the classic square joystick and the single red button. He bought us a NES. I had a BBC Micro and that had um, a Donkey Kong on it and other games like Repton. I remember a game called Elixir. There was a game called Imogen. Imogen, wasn't it? It was about a boy wizard called Imogen. What? Yeah. yeah. There was a wizard and a wizard could turn into... A dog, I think, and maybe a bird. A monkey, I think, I mean, as well. genuinely remembering back 35 years. Yeah, maybe a monkey, but it was basically a puzzle-solving platformer where you had to work out which character you needed to be to do a thing to help the next character do the thing to get out, you know, onto the next screen. And I remember playing those for hours and hours. Uh, and then, uh, of course, The Mighty, and I know uh, everybody will remember owning one of these, the Philips CDI. No, you did not own a Philips. You were not one of the seven people who owned a Philips CDI. We had uh, a golf game <laughs> that was a photorealistic golf game. I mean, and at therefore the time, not a game, right? Oh, my days. Yeah, not a game. Terrible. <laughs> Philips invents CDI, the ultimate machine for compact discs and amazing pictures. Philips invents for you. Were they good, Rufus? We we had the we had a golf game. There was a like a haunted pinball game. That was the one that I played a great deal. Even pinball, you I can't just play kind... pinball. No, it has to be haunted. There has to be some extra layer. Because it's a video <laughs> game, Ellie. <laughs> You've skipped over a console that I happen to know is in your gaming history, Rufus, and that's the Atari Lynx. Again, one of the few people in Britain, I would say, who owned an Atari Lynx. What was an Atari Lynx? What was an Atari Lynx? Um, this is this is a gap in my knowledge. I the don't Guardian know should Lynx sack was. you. You deserve to be fired. Good <laughs> oh, grief. That's you explain, Rufus. I'm too angry. Uh, again, I, I would imagine we're probably talking around about 1990. Atari released a handheld games console that had a proper backlit screen, did proper colour graphics. The sound was incredible. I think I saw a TV advert for one and knew outright this was the only thing I wanted for Christmas. Relatively privileged background, so it didn't feel to me that this wasn't something I was either due or deserved <laughs> or, you know, that Santa could bring for me. And it, it was eight inches long, rounded black plastic, colour screen right in the middle. In fact, actually, if you imagine a black Nintendo Switch 
but the screen about a quarter of the size, but the overall profile of the thing being thicker. Uh, it was about that, really. And also, it, um, it, it took a huge amount of power. It needed six AA batteries just to, six to batteries. run it. You'd six. have to buff to even hold it up. And that would power it for about <laughs> eight minutes. And then that would be it. So that was why it was a luxury yeah. item. It wasn't actually the cost of the machine. The machine was probably about two ninety nine. It was just that you had to spend £500 a week on batteries just to play columns. On some Atari Lynx games, you can link up four players. But there's only ever one winner. Atari Lynx, the portable video arcade. But my dad, in purchasing this for me, felt bad for my slightly younger brother, who was not going to be getting a handheld gaming console. And so it was that my dad, just on a whim decided to buy my brother the obviously inferior, not a colour screen, not dynamic sound. Ha ha ha. Oh, you poor wretch that you would have to suffer the indignity of owning the Nintendo game. <laughs> and so it was that within about three months, I was desperately trying to convince my brother that he really wanted to be playing the Atari Lynx so that I could spend another 19 hours playing Tetris to the point that every time I closed my eyes, all I saw were moving squares. Yeah, and of course the Game Boy only took four AA batteries, so you saved about a million pounds a year. And lasted for about two <laughs> yeah, days. Lasted, you know? yeah, yeah, it was, it was yeah. much better, yeah. Here's a, here's a fun fact for you, yeah. again. The Atari Lynx was quite technologically advanced, right? It had a thing called the Comlynx, which was a cable that enabled you to link up and play with up to 18 other people. Which for that time is quite advanced, except most of the games, they only had a multiplayer mode for up to eight people. So I love that Atari built this piece of technology and made a cable, made these cables, the 18 people, and then it just, you couldn't ever actually do it. It's kind of field of dream stuff, yeah. isn't it? If you build it, they will come. Like, let's have it that it could work and then maybe somebody else will figure out if it does. Yeah. Rufus, right. I hate to spring this on you, but we do actually have one more guest today who's coming in just for the last the last little bit here. Um, this is actually this person. This person's quite a big deal. So if we can just treat the situation with due seriousness, that would be useful. Reverence. I think, okay. I think, gotcha. I think, yeah. Um. They're just um. They've just popped around my house. Actually, they're going to use my mic, so I'll just let them in. Hang on. Hello. <laughs> Hi. It's. it's <laughs> hang on. I have to get the voice right. Hang on. <clears throat> It's <laughs> it's me, Jeremy Atari. How Jeremy are you? Jeremy Atari. Uh, what uh, a pleasure to see you. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Uh, could I speak to you? Is that Rufus Hound? Hello, Mr. Atari. Hi, how are you doing? I'm I'm a-okay. Big fan of your links. Don't, yeah, <laughs> yes, of course. Well, you know, it's revolutionary of its time, Rufus. Uh, I'll never forget how me and 17 friends used to all sit in a big circle <laughs> playing a lovely game. We did our best. We did our best. <laughs> now, listen, um, obviously, as the, the world's premier video game publisher of the current world... Um, I am currently looking for new IP and ideas, Rufus Hound. And I was wondering if you'd like to pitch your video game to me, Jeremy Atari, right now. Uh, well, Jeremy, I have spent some time thinking about what video game I would like. But I, I really want a game. It could just be really small scale. It could just be a room or an office. But it really bugs me. <laughs> When you're in a game and, you know, you're shooty, shooty, shooty and you run out of ammo or whatever and you're surrounded by, like, office chairs and lamps and things, you just want to be able to pick up the lamp and wang it at someone. And I would like a video game in which literally every object had its own genuine physics and could be interacted with mm. in whatever way. It wouldn't necessarily need to be a fighting game, mm. but it, it is that moment where the game design and 
the memory and the programming runs out in terms of your problem solving. Mr. Atari, what do you think of Rufus Sands' accurately simulated office supplies game? Well, I'm, a, I'm afraid there's there's quite a big issue with this, Rufus. Uh, I'm not sure this is going to work because it seems to me you're pitching a game that is based on reality and everything in the game accurately <laughs> reflects something that exists in reality in the real world in an accurate way, which would mean, of course, it is by its very definition, not a video game. Not a by video your own game. Rules. You're absolutely right. By your sorry, own the prota- rules. So Look, sorry. the protagonist is a hippo. I How's that? Stand down. <laughs> <laughs> Could you play it with bananas? <laughs> I'll, I'll think about it uh, or I might just team up with Electronic Arts and make a version of FIFA you can play with 17 other people. Um, so it's a no from me. It's a no from me. Sorry about that, Rufus Hound, but thanks thanks anyway for trying. Perhaps try going away, have a bit more imagination. Okay, uh, I've got to get back now, Keza. To where, uh, where are Atari based again, Keza? California. Got to get back to California to yes. play some games. Disappointing for Rufus there, Mr. Bye. Atari, but thank you nonetheless for joining us. See you later. Cheerio. Bye, Rufus. Bye, Keza. Bye, Mr. Atari. Oh, hi, guys. Arrivedatari. I just saw Jeremy Atari. I just called an Uber for him to the uh, airport. He's going to California now. How's that? Did you did you get very far with that, Rufus? How was that for you? I think I've given him food for mm. thought. He said he said no in the moment, but I think uh, by the time he gets on the plane, he may have thought. <laughs> Okay, Rufus, it's time for the most exciting part of any podcast that's ever existed. It's the quickfire round. It's not a jazz quickfire round. You don't need to go bonkers. All right. Quickfire round. Do some jazz right. again. I quite like the jazz, actually, Rufus. Let's make it a jazzy quickfire round. <laughs> okay. All right. Virtua Tennis or Mario Tennis? Mario Tennis. I'll even opt for possibly the crappiest version of Mario Tennis, uh, which is on the DS, because you could hold it up and it had motion <laughs> sensor. So you could sit <laughs> swinging left and right. Looking completely uh, sane. Yeah, exactly. Next question. Keza loves this one. Sonic or Mario? No doubt. Mario all day long. Oh, Mario for days, boy. Yeah, okay, whatever. Atari Lynx or Nintendo Game Boy? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't mean this, but I just want the record to show I said Atari links. Like a sunk cost fallacy. <laughs> You're still trying to suck up to Jeremy Atari. He's told you where to go. Don't just leave him alone. Uh, warrior or wizard? Oh, wizard. Shotgun or sniper? Shotgun. Although, largely, I like to become the sniper and think I'm being really clever and then not do it very well and then run down to get involved in the melee and then use a sniper like a shotgun, realising <laughs> that I've made all of the options the shittest version of themselves. Space Invaders or Pac-Man? Space Invaders. Mm, you, have, you, you have to think about that, though. Well, I did, really, but there's a bit of flair in Space Invaders that once you've seen that Pac-Man's all about rhythms and like algorithms and following certain parts, it becomes like a sort of quest to kind of be a computer, whereas Space Invaders, you can kind of dance around a bit. You don't have to do it the same way every time. Mm. Whereas I think, I mean, you know, when you watch those documentaries about people who really master Pac-Man, it is essentially learn loads of patterns and then apply them in order okay we're in danger of getting philosophical again so i'm gonna yeah. pop it in the last the last one. <laughs> oh wait oh, fifa or pro evo <laughs> they can both fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> stick that up you quick fire round <laughs> sorry fifa or pro evo 
I will pick Sega Soccer Slam. Well, now is that an acceptable underappreciated yeah. game? Underappreciated game. Well, no, it's, yeah. it's three aside, and there's a lot of uh, hitting each other, so it's oh, just it, it does conform to Rufus's yeah. thing of being not quite the same as real football, and therefore a valid a game. Stupid version of a real yeah. thing. That's that's what we've brought video games down. That's how we're defining video games these days. Okay, that's fine. Uh, what a stupid version of a real yeah. thing. Yes, I can get, I can I'm, get behind I'm that. Absolutely <laughs> <by> that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So Rufus, the producers had this bright idea where we should finish the show by saying the words "game over," but obviously uh, that, that makes Absolutely me and Ellie just no. yeah, it just makes us want to die. That's career so, so we, ending we, for a game show. Yeah. that's career ending potentially. So yeah. you know we're not doing it. So we're going to make the guests do it. Can you give us your best in the style of your choice? Your best game over. Game over. Love it. Thank you so much, Rufus Hound. Thank you, Rufus. Much appreciated. Thank you, Ellie. Thank you, Kevin. This has been Extra Life. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Extra Life Pod. Extra Life. With Ellie Gibson and Kevin McDonald. Produced by Joel Marks. Assistant producer, Alex Hart. Music by Wayne Shedder. Extra Life is a great big owl production for Audi. Well, congratulations, Daniel. You just finished your first Dungeons & Dragons campaign. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Hey, this is really fun. You guys want to do this tomorrow night? Sure. Yeah. We've had some complaints from the various video game executives featured on this show, um, and we'd like to just make absolutely clear that uh, Ellie's voices do not represent the actual views of uh, any of the corporations mentioned. Oh, spoil sports. Uh. <laughs>